0: You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarville, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024. Um, if you got a Bible, we're going to go
1: to 1 Peter this morning. 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 is where we're going to be. Uh, we'll be a couple different verses throughout 1 Peter, and um, the the so I want to follow up. So the last time I was here, we talked about walking with God through suffering, through trials, through through temptations, through things of that nature. And so I want to follow up to that from our last time we were together, and I, and I want to go a little bit deeper into this idea of walking with God through suffering and i believe that there are three today there're going to be three points so you got notes in your bulletin they're going to go through we're going to go through three points or three ways that we as believers can do that well in a world that is out of control now we live in a culture presently we live in a world system that would not be defined as sober minded amen like, you and I would not say our current world that we live in is a sober-minded world, amen? It's, it's a little off-kilt, kilter, kilt, I don't, yeah, it's not right. Um, it, it is a, um, it, it is problematic to say the least, and We sit in the midst of people who are hostile in mind and indeed towards Christianity, towards the things of the Bible. C.H. Spurgeon said once that salt flavors every drop, I'm sorry, as salt uh, flavors every drop of the Atlantic, so sin affects every atom of our nature. It is so sadly there it is so abundantly there that if you cannot detect sin you are being deceived by sin so that that is for the world around us but those that are redeemed those that have been set apart by God's grace we have a different calling we have a different direction we have a different path that we are to walk on our feet have been set on a different road and and we We see the text here, and so we're going to start in verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 1. And I'm going to read this first verse, but there's something we need to to unpack before that. But I'm going to to read the text first. Therefore, verse 13, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, when we read the verse 13 and it says the word therefore, the reason the word therefore is there in the text, it is an indication that is about, it's, it, what is about to be said is all predicated on what was said in the first half of the text. And so you see the word therefore preparing your minds. Why are we preparing our minds? Well, I think it's important that we go back up to verse 3. I know, we, I, know I said starting verse 13, but now I want you to jump up to verse 3 in 1 Peter, and I want you to look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His grace and mercy has been caused, it has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So we see that. It says, Blessed are the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His grace and mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. He's Who's caused us to be li- to a living hope? It's Jesus. It's been Jesus. Notice the theme of all of our songs this morning. Jesus is the theme. Jesus is the theme here. We have been born again to a living hope. So the word therefore in the text is predicated in verse 13 on what happens in verse 3. And and I know that verse 3 through 12 is a bundled package. But in verse 3, I want you to focus in on the idea of living hope. Look at that idea of living hope. Therefore, because of the fact of us being born again, Christians being born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through Christ dying on the cross and then being resurrected three days later for our justification. Therefore, because of that fact in verse 3, that hope is now permeating verse 13. Therefore, because of the living hope of the resurrection, therefore, Christian, prepare your mind for action And being sober-minded, set your hope. Remember this? There's hope in verse 13 because of the hope in verse 3. So the hope in verse 13 is the same hope that's in verse 3. So put... Set your hope fully on the grace of God that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we have the re- we have the hope of God's resurrection, Jesus' resurrection in verse, thir- verse three, and in verse thirteen we have the revelation of God's hope being manifest in- at His revelation the second time. So we need to be sober minded. We need to be sober minded about. What is going on in our lives? Because of the fact of verse 3, we have verse 13. So we prepare our minds for action and being sober-minded, we set our hope, the hope of the gospel, fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what kind of action are we called to do here in this text? We are called to have sober-mindedness. Preparing yourself, it is a spiritual sober-mindedness. It is not just a physical sober-mindedness of being rational in thought. It is also the, the indication in the text here is that you be spiritually, you be spiritually sober-minded. Preparing yourself to take action against your own sinfulness. And this this idea of this text is that you would be on guard in such a way, that you would be spiritually sober-minded in such a way, that you would take action against your own sin. When when sin rears its ugly head in your life, you're prepared in such a way spiritually, you're so sober-minded in such a way in your own spiritual life, that you're on guard and you're ready to take out the sin that is in your life. Keeping yourself sober-minded like in a season or a time of war. You don't go haywire. You don't go ha- off half-cocked. I mean, if you were in the military, you don't go hack half-cocked and just run into, like, all right, I need you to go over there and fight. You don't go and just, ah, and just run into the fight. What happens if you go off half-cocked? You're going to get shot. You're going to get wounded. You might die. You have to be sober-minded about your surroundings. You have to keep a sober-mindedness, stay focused, stay prepared. And how can we stay ready for action is sober-mindedness. So here's where we're going to start in point number one. There's three points that I think we can can go for. Number one is we know our surroundings. We are to be aware of our surroundings. Peter, again, calls us to this very idea in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, verse 8. He says, again, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So, the enemy. We have in chapter 1, Peter saying, listen, be sober-minded. Be thoughtful of your spiritualness. Be thoughtful of the sinfulness around you. Pay attention in chapter 1. And then in chapter 5, again, he tells us, he reiterates again, listen, be sober-minded. Not only be sober-minded, but be, be, be watchful for the adversary. Be watching for the enemy. Be watching for the devil. He is looking for ways like a lion. He's like a lion prowling, looking for something to eat. What does a lion do? A lion eats and sleeps. That's what it, and when it's hungry, it prowls. You ever watch those nature videos? I mean, they're not... The, the gazelle isn't like, you know what, lion, I, I you know... I know you're hungry, so I'm just going to lay myself out here in front of you. I'm yours. Eat me. That's not what he does. The lion has to do what? Prowl, get under the grass, pay attention. He's looking around. He's ready. The enemy is doing the same thing. He's prowling, looking for ways to take you out. And if you're actually in a physical war, and you were told by your commanding officer to stay alert because your very life was at stake, I'm telling you, you wouldn't ignore that amen you, you wouldn't ignore that if your commanding officer said this is the task at hand i need you to stay alert pay attention to your surroundings because the enemy is here and he will take you out he will take you out you would not ignore that you would be on point every twig that snapped you'd be alerted to it every rustling of a leaf you would pay attention there would be no oh, you know it's not a big deal I know the the commanding officer said the enemy's close and we need to pay attention, but you know, I'm going to go over here and I'm just going to take a nap. I'm going to sleep. I know my commanding officer told me to do that, to to stay awake, but you know, things are going on in my life. I got my own life that I got to handle. I got my own stuff. I'm not listening to him. It's going to be a problem for you because the enemy is on the move. The enemy doesn't take breaks. Satan and his dominion does not take breaks. They constantly are looking for ways to subvert and destroy and kill and maim and mess up and discredit and and just, just make your life a living hell. That's what he lives for. So Peter tells us here, stay alert. Stay ready for action. Be sober-minded against your own sin because your own sin is deceitful and it will take you out. Romans chapter 6, verse 26. For the wages of sin is what? Death. Sin is a death sentence. Stay sober-minded know what's going on around you have a spiritual sober mindedness that you're aware of what's going on and you're not caught off guard by something stay aware of your own sinfulness and know that it could at any moment your sin could kill you so you be active about killing your sin because if you're not active about killing your sin your sin will eventually kill you so that number 1 is know your surroundings number 2 is know your weapon Know your weapon. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 says that this, what you're holding in your hand this morning, the scriptures that you're holding in your hand this morning, is a sword. It's called the sword of the Spirit. What do you do with a sword? A sword you can block the enemy's blows, and if you need to, you can advance against the enemy. You can advance against the enemy and take the, take the, the, the fight to the enemy with the word. It's a sword to deflect and to advance. Deflect and advance. You use a sword as a weapon. When you're back, I'm, I'm, I'm using military references here just because it just, it's helpful because the scripture is filled with these kind of ideas here. But um, if you're in the military, you're trained to know your weapon. I remember dad was in the army. Um, any, anybody else in the army or was in the army? You're in the Air Force, right? All right? Well, it's not the Army, so that's... But you're... I mean, it's military, so it'll work. But you're trained to know your weapon. Dad told me he knew his M16. He'd take that thing apart in the dark and have to put it back together. Like, he knew it. He slept with it. It was next to him. You take it apart, you take... And he could just do it. Like he said, he could do it rapidly. You do the same. You would take it apart and put it together and do all those things. Well, I mean... <laughs> You're probably faster than I am. I was taking some. Of, I was going through dad, some of dad's guns in his gun safe, and David and I were trying to put. I mean, we're trying to figure it out. It wasn't working. Uh, how does that go together? I don't know. But you're trained to know your weapon, backwards and forwards, forwards and backwards. You're trained to be able to take it apart and put it back together, and you know every intricacy of your weapon. You know and you're trained how to do this. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7-8 through eight tells us, have nothing to do with irreverent or silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for those in the present life, and also for the life that is to come. So you're to train yourself. That idea of training yourself, that means you've got to be actively involved. If I said I was in the army, but I never went to drill, I never went to any of the things that I was supposed to do, and I never did any training whatsoever, but I said, you know what? I'm ready to fight in the war. How would that go for me? It's probably going to go bad, right? Right? Look, I'm going to get taken out pretty quickly because the guys that are trained know how to take out the guys that aren't trained. And so, this is the idea here: is don't have any, I don't have have nothing to do with silly or irreverent myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. We are called by God to train ourselves in godliness, and to and we do that by training ourselves in God's word, studying God's word. Finding a good study Bible is so vital. I I have, this is my personal study Bible that I have. I love my study Bible. It has tons of notes, tons of commentary to help me unpack the text. Having a good study Bible and reading the Bible and studying over it and knowing the intricacies of the original language. It is vitally important to know this weapon, to know everything about it. You and I are used, we are called by God to engraft or fuse God's word into our hearts, and as a result of it being in our hearts, it then will be transferred into our minds, and then we renew our minds daily, according to Romans chapter 12, we renew our minds by studying God's word. It is a a weapon that we are to use. If you don't do that, and you're not connected with the word of God, it is very possible that the enemy will take you out. Just the same as the military. If you didn't know how to use your weapon, and you were thrust into a time of war, and you didn't, you were like, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know, and you'd have to think about it. Guys that are in the military, they don't have to think about their guns. They just, and it's, it's on them. I've had multiple friends that went to Afghanistan. They said when they did sleep, they slept with their guns on them. I have some Marine friends that slept with their guy that has played guitar here, Aaron. He did two tours in Afghanistan. Like he said, he slept with that thing. Said it was the most important thing that he had was his gun. He held on to that weapon. The same idea is in God's word. God's word is to be fused into our hearts and then transferred into our minds so we can be ready for war. And not only that, we as Christian parents are to... Share this with our children. God's word gives us, not only do we train ourselves in godliness, but we as parents are to train our children up in godliness. Yeah. And, and it's it's a shame that the world in which we live, we're willing, ready, and able to train Ourselves and we train our children in half a dozen different areas. But when it comes to God's word, we don't really think that that is a vital thing. Man, I'm telling you, I know that we live in America and it's, times have been plentiful in the last 80 years. But I'm telling you, we're coming into a season of life when this is going to be what we're going to want to hold on to. Because this is going to be the thing that gets us through. If you look at any testimonial of any missionary that's been put into any type of prison camp for their faith, the thing that's sustained them through that time of trial and tribulation, it has been God's word. And, and many parents are willing, ready, and able to train their children to use real weapons and real balls on real courts of sports in different arenas and different things of that nature but we refuse to talk about God and God's word or train our children up in God's word because we just don't want to or we feel it's not that important. But I can promise you, in 10,000 years, it will matter that you were trained in godliness. It will matter in 10,000 years if your children were trained in godliness. And I contend that if, if we don't, man, it's to our own detriment and many people hear, hear me say, oh, Caleb, are you saying you don't like sports, you don't like hunting, you don't like... No, 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 no. I was the greatest water boy there was. I love sports. Okay? I, I, I'm not a football guy, but I do like basketball because I've got ADD and I love basketball up and down the court. But, I, I, you know, I, I, hunting's fine with me. I love hunting. I, I like a good steak every once in a while. Good hamburger. Deer's okay if it's jerky. A little gamey if it's not. <laughs> My wife's shaking her head. I think those are wonderful. The sports and hunting and knowing those, those are wonderful things. But knowing God's word is way more important. You're to train yourself in godliness and by engrafting God's word into your life. Not only that, but also your children. Proverbs twenty two verse six gives us the instruction to train up our children in the way that they should go. And which way is that? Godliness, righteousness. We are to train them to love the things of God over the things of the world. And the scripture goes on in twenty in Proverbs twenty two six. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. We are to stress godliness righteousness and holiness to our children now i know in the midst of it it's not great i mean i remember when i was in 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 elementary and high school and junior high sitting in church like i love that my kids have a hunger for god more than i did when my dad's a pastor was a pastor man that's hard to say so he was a pastor and i remember sitting in the pews and i would just be like man is it is it noon yet I mean, my, my brother was more brash than I would. He'd throw, hold a watch up. He'd shake a watch in the back. Be like, bro, you, you're the baby, so I guess you can get away with that. But man, I remember in, when I was a kid, I didn't really, I was like, man, this is, can this get over with? But man, once I understood the God of the Bible and what he did for me and how he loves me, man, that changed the game in my life. And we as parents are to stress righteousness godliness holiness, purity to our children and when they're old they will not depart from these things now there might have a moment where they try to run but man God if he wants them and he's going to woo them and he's going to pull them in amen like the, he's, he's got this. we don't stress the importance of the Bible and church and pursuing God the way we should it's going to be man because I've I've got tons of references of people that I know personally that I love dearly. That they've pressed an emphasis on everything else in the world and now their kids as they've gotten older don't have a hunger for the things of God but they've got a hunger for the things that the parents did put an emphasis on. And they're like, man, I don't know why my kid doesn't want to go to church. Well, it's because you never were interested in going to church when you were younger. Do that now. Your kids need it now. And grandparents, you say, oh, what do I do? When, you, when, the kids are, when your grandkids are with you, put an emphasis on the things of God when they're with you. That, that's how that can work. Put an emphasis on God now. You can't The past is prologue. You can't fix the past. So I never want to be up here beating people up. Oh, you didn't do it when you were younger. Dope. No, that's not what I'm doing. Because all of us have messed up. All of us have fallen short. But what do we do? We take the moments we have in front of us and say, okay, the, the present is here. What can I do now? I can live for God now. I can change lives in my circle of influence now. I can't, I can't 50 years ago. I can't 20 years ago. But man, what I can do is I can do it now. Like my kids are still in front of me. I can invest spiritually in them now. Your grandkids in front of you now. Invest now with them. Yeah. So we're to stress the importance of Christ. By knowing our weapons. Trusting in Christ now. Trust Christ now rather than later. Know your weapon now because your life actually depends on it. So that's number two, know your weapon. Number three, know your brothers. Know your brothers. Who you have around you says a lot. Proverbs chapter 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, but a brother is born for adversity. When you're in a time of war, you want to know who has your back. You want to know and surround yourself with others that are doing those first two points. You want to know somebody else that knows their surroundings and knows their weapons. You want somebody in the fight with you that knows these things. Because it is very likely that if you don't have someone around you that is Gunning for the things of God with you, there is a very good possibility that you could end up as a cultural casualty. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Man, I've heard people, when I go different places and preach, people say, Oh man, I've got thousands of friends online. Yeah, probably not. You might, you might have 2,000 friends on Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media thing you hold on to, but really you don't. If you could count a good friend is someone that if you picked up the phone at 2 a.m. and said, listen, I need you, they'd be there. That's a friend. That's someone that sticks closer than a brother. Oh, I've got 2,000 friends online. Well, maybe, but probably not. You've got the illusion of friendship. That's what social media has done. It's given us this illusion of numbers. We've got friends. And here's the deal. Just because someone follows you online doesn't mean they're your friend. There's a lot of people that follow just to cut down. There's a lot of people that jump online just to see what you're doing so they can tear you apart. You need friends that are going to have your back in the spiritual warfare that is taking place. Real friends are people who are willing to bleed with you in person. That's a real friend. Who you surround yourself with and who you allow to influence in your life or influence over your life is where you're going to head towards. And I've, I've emphasized this with young people and who you get around you. If you got people that are just they're just like being dumb all the time I get it kids are going to be dumb sometimes I, I was never dumb as a child but you know but man if you're surrounding yourself with people that are always never focused on the things of God but they're focused on just having a good time that's the direction you're going to go but you if you want to know, know who Christ is you want to know who Christ is? You're going to surround yourself with someone that sharpens you. Proverbs chapter 27, 17 says, Iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. We're called to be a part of a biblical community that sharpens us towards the things of God. Amen? Like that's what we're called to do is we're called to sharpen one another. And, and here's the deal. like Men don't do it as well as ladies. Ladies, like you guys get your little groups together. You ever been to Branson? How many of you guys have ever been to Branson. Have you ever seen a bus of a bunch of old men getting out together and all like huddling and hanging out? That doesn't happen. You see a bus full of old ladies getting out and they're like, oh, together, they do community really well. Us guys, man, like, listen, like, it starts young. Girls going to the bathroom together? Listen, Sam, if you want, and don't, you're not going to the bathroom with me. I, you know, it's just not happening. Okay? Just, no. Robert doesn't want you to go either, so leave me alone. Y'all go, and then we'll meet up after the bathroom. But girls are like, you come to the bathroom, let's go. I'm like, Weird. But that's this. Girls have a better sense of community. But that's what we're called to in the Bible, is we're called to be in a sense of community together, to be together. And, and, and here's the deal. Men, you, we need each other. We need one another. We need iron sharpening iron coming alongside one another saying, how can I pray for you? How can I encourage you? How can I help you in your fight today? this is the same idea. Ladies, we, we, you all need to do the same thing. How can I come alongside and pray for you? How can I sharpen? How can I fight for you today? We need solid men and women in our, in our camp to help us get where we want to go. And where do we want to go? Like the ultimate goal is heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the reason we come alongside one another and encourage and keep accountable and spur one another on towards godliness. And listen, I contend that if we're doing these things, verses 14 through 20, let's just read the text here. Now, we'll start back in 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action and prepare being sober-minded. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but... As he who calls you is holy, you also, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call upon him as father who judges impartially according to each other's, each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time in exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with precious things such as the blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in god oh brothers and sisters i contend that if we're doing these three things knowing our surroundings knowing our weapons and knowing our brothers and sisters around us i contend that if we do those three things verses 14 through 22 man it's going to come naturally we will watch our own personal conduct we will pursue holiness where holiness is and we will run towards the things of God if we're doing those three things because we're going to have a long view of things we're going to have an eternal view of our life we're not just going to think about this moment this time this second we're going to think about 10,000 years from now we're going to think about 5,000 years from now we're going to think about 2 million years from now what are we going to be doing and I tell, like I said in Sunday school this morning, I contend there are only two options. You are either storing up for yourself God's grace and mercy for all eternity, or you are storing up for yourself all eternity God's wrath and judgment. You're either covered by God's grace, or you're going to be cover yourself in your own good works. And if you're in your own good works, but not in God's grace... If you're in good works, you will spend an eternity experiencing God's judgment and wrath. But if you're covered by God's grace and mercy, you will experience an entire eternity of God's grace and mercy. And I contend that if we know, our, know these three things, we'll have a long view of our life. We who are the elect of God called are called by God to be different. We are called to look different. We're called to sound different. We're called to be different. Why? Because eight, verses 18 through 21 says that we've been ransomed. Look at that. Look at verse 18. Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways that were inherited by your forefathers... Not with perishable things. How were you ransomed? How were you bought back? Well, this guy pulled out his wallet and he gave me some money and he ransomed my life back. No, 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 no. You weren't ransomed by gold and silver. It was, man, gold and silver is pavement to God. How were you ransomed? By the blood of Christ. Jesus died on the cross to redeem and reconcile mankind from their sinfulness. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Jesus dying on the cross for your sins transfers you from a kingdom of darkness and a dominion of darkness into a kingdom of light. How does that happen? You re- Repentance and belief in the gospel. Repentance of sin and belief in the gospel. Hmm. That's what we're called to do. The majority, like, here's the, there's a majority of people, we talked about this again in Sunday school. There's so many people that say they have faith. Faith in what? The majority of people who say they have faith, when you look at their lives, it's a shallow, superficial faith that will not hold up against the things of life when they fall on hit. When life and the enemy hits, if your faith is superficial and shallow, man, it ain't going to last. We, we sang about it in Sunday school. The wise man, he built his house on what? The rock. Remember the motions? wise man built his house upon the rock. And when the storms come and the waves beat against that rock, what happened? The house stood firm. Who do we, what, the, what is the found? what's the idea there? The, I, our lives are built upon the bedrock of Jesus Christ. The fool he built his house on the sand, good works and things of it. My, my own good deeds. Look at me. I went to Sunday school. I was a member of First Baptist Church. I did this. I did that. The wise man, or the foolish man, builds his house on the sand. Remember the wise man built his house upon the sand. And when the waves come and the, and the rains beat down, the house went. Curse. Kids got excited when we did that motion. because you Curse. Down. Why? Because it wasn't built on Christ. It was built on your own goodness. And man, none of us are good. It's only God that's good. Man. And because of that fact, the cr- of what Christ has done on the cross for us, we're to place our hope in God. That's the last little verse in 22 or 21. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and your hope are in God. Is your faith and is your hope in God? I'm not talking about the God, you know, I'm not saying you have not head knowledge about God. Is your heart been transformed by the blood of Christ? Is your account covered by the blood of Jesus Christ have you been bought have you been ransomed by the blood of Christ I don't know we had a guy in our living room just a couple months ago dad sat in the chair in my living room and the guy walked in and we talked about Jesus and he talked about how he was a Catholic and how he did all these different things dad said well, are, you, are you bought with the blood of Christ he said man I hope so maybe man I hope so Man, did you know you don't, you don't have to hope so, you can know so, amen? You can know you've been bought with the blood of Christ, how? By repentance and faith, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, putting your hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we do that? First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, that He, Jesus, is faithful and just, to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Oh, that's a beautiful message. To know that God is big enough to forgive and to ransom and to redeem
0: us. You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, PO Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas 67024. God bless you.